Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Today we're going to talk about the resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ after he was raised from the dead. For 40 days, he was seen of disciples, other brothers and sisters that knew him. He appeared to them. We'll talk about that from the Word of God today and the power of the resurrection and what causes us to be alive in Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Today we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and those who witnessed him in resurrection, not maybe at the tomb, but through the 40 days he was here before he ascended into heaven. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. I want to welcome all you who are coming for the first time, watching for the first time today. I'm Pastor Bob Yandian and I pastored for 33 years. I'm a teacher of the Word of God and that's what I do on here. That's why we call it student of the word. You're the student, I'm teaching you the word. And I do guarantee you when this broadcast is over, you'll be smarter in the things of the word of God. Not that I'm bragging on me, this is my call. And a lot of other people have the good call, the same call, and I just do it the way that God has directed me. So again, it's a blessing to many. There's some of you watching for the second, third, 10th, or 20th time today. Thank you for coming back. But there's also those who are partners with me, and I appreciate you so much. And I thank you for taking on the responsibility that if you've heard the word of God, then you need to make sure that it gets to other people. And the way you can do that is because you can tell people, teach this in your Sunday school classes or your home cell groups or wherever you are that you're teaching, or if you have a Bible study at the office, these are things you can share with them. But on the other hand, that you can also share by giving of your finances and help to produce this broadcast, because I'm coming to you today by number one, the call of God, number two, the power of the Holy Spirit, but number three, the giving of people so that I can go on these broadcasts and I can open up these broadcasts to people and you can be a blessing to people too. We share in the blessings of it and we will throughout all eternity in heaven, meeting those people that their lives were changed by this broadcast. And even if you don't have a whole lot of money to give, a cup of cold water can bring a prophet's reward. Thank you for giving those widows mites. Thank you for giving whatever you can. And for those who can give more, thank you again for giving what God lays on your heart or as you purpose in your own heart, thank you for giving. If you'd like to become a partner with me, then go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there where you can become a partner again. And I appreciate it and thank you ahead of time. First Corinthians chapter 15. I want to take a look at verses one through nine. And here in these verses of scripture, Paul is referring back to and giving a kind of overall layout of the 40 days where Jesus walked the earth after being raised from the dead. And so by this time already, now I'll give you some reasons why for this, the uh, leaders of Israel, the, the uh, you know, the Pharisees and all those, and even some of the Romans were saying, oh, he was really, you know, he didn't, he wasn't raised. But that's just a fable. That's it. We haven't seen him. Let me tell you why they haven't seen him. Jesus didn't show himself to one person that was an unbeliever. He only showed himself to his disciples and those who followed him outside of the of the 12 disciples. So again, you say, well, where is that? We're going to find it here in these verses of scripture. He did, listen, Jesus didn't preach a sermon during those 40 days. He didn't heal anybody or raise somebody from the dead or perform a miracle. And Jesus, again, at that time when he came, he did the, he did so much, but what he did was he just simply met with believers. Because why? He was preparing them to take over where he left off. When he arose from the dead, he 
his work was over, but what he needed to do was encourage, give strength, talk to, prepare those for the coming of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the church age, because he was gonna go to heaven and start something. The head was gonna start building from that time and building a body here on this earth because the body of Christ had never, ever existed before. It's also called the church, which had never, ever existed before and only exists during the church age. Jesus told his disciples one day, I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm sure the disciples looked at each other and went, What's the church? I don't know. Well, act like you do, okay? Jesus said, so it's got to have something. They didn't even know what the church was. He mentioned it one time, talking about the church. Later on, talked about the fact that I'm gonna come and receive you to myself. They went, oh, where's that in the word? They knew he was gonna come to earth, but they had no idea what the rapture was. This is all part of the church age teaching. So Jesus stayed around for 40 days, encouraging only believers. Stop and think about this. He didn't preach a sermon, didn't perform any miracles. What was the first sermon preached after the resurrection? 40 days later on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given, Peter descended out of that upper room filled with the Holy Spirit and gave the first sermon since the resurrection. Well, when's the first miracle? In the next chapter, chapter three of the book of Acts, when Peter and John walked by the gate beautiful and there was the man there that was paralyzed and they healed him. And this man was raised up and he went walking and leaping and praising God. You see, the anointing that was on Jesus now came on the church and Jesus even told him, when I'm gone, he said, I'm gonna pray for you and you're gonna receive that anointing that I have right now. And uh, you'll have the power to go and preach the gospel and you can lay hands on the sick and you can see them recover. You can start churches. You can start uh, making disciples of all nations. All these things are things that we do. Let's talk about it here. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse one. Paul says here, moreover brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received and on which you stand. Resurrection is part of the gospel. You can't dissect it out. Once understood, the entire gospels make sense and bring faith and blessings. When we receive the gospels, we have to receive it all, whether we want to or not. And when the Corinthians received Jesus, they also received a future resurrection body that will be given to all believers at the rapture of the church. The church will then take on a human uh, a resurrection human body and we will go to heaven with Jesus and at that time stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Then in our resurrection bodies, come back with him seven years later at the end of the battle of Armageddon. Verse two goes on to say, by which also you are saved. This refers to your salvation by accepting Jesus as well as your daily walk with him, your holiness, your sanctification. He goes on to say, if you keep in memory he says, not forgetting, unless you have forgotten what I preached to you or unless you have believed in vain. The word and the gospel is of no value if we don't keep it in our memory and put it into daily use, or it's even possible to have the word and it do us no good. It's possible for the Corinthians that some of them truly didn't believe in Jesus, only mentally ascended to the invitation to believe. You say, is that true? Yes, there's gonna be a lot of people. It says it in the book of Matthew that come to him and say, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we see the sick healed? And they'll start naming all these things. He says, no, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Think of the seven sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19. And there they went casting out devils using the name of Jesus that Paul preached. And the demons actually attacked them. It's possible to say you're born again. You attended a church. Maybe you mentally ascended to it, but you never really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when he brings it up, 
you're going to have to admit it. He said, there may be some of you here that are doing that, but if you really believe the gospel, then you had to accept it all. Quit dissecting out something and say, I don't believe that. It was given to you the moment you received Jesus. Verse three, for I delivered to you first that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. In other words, I gave you the gospel, you received it. God gave it to me and I received it. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul did not invent the gospel. It was already part of God's plan and written into the word of God. Each part of the work of Jesus that's found in the gospel, each part of the work of Jesus is found in our redemption was talked about in the Old Testament and also in the gospels. First Corinthians eleven twenty three. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Notice this things. He said the same night he was betrayed, the same time, the same thing that was given by the Lord to me, I received it and now you've received it too. Jesus died for our sin. Let me just give you some of the basics of the new birth. Jesus died for our sins because we couldn't do it ourselves. This is found early in the Bible in Genesis chapter three and verse 15. It's found in Psalm, Psalm 22, verses one through 21, Psalm 69, Isaiah 53 verses one through nine. In the New Testament, it's found in Matthew chapter 20 verses 18 and 19 and Luke chapter 24 and verse 46. Jesus died not for himself, he died for us. The righteous died for the unrighteous. Jesus went to the cross and the holy one died for the unholy, that's us. And Jesus Christ, who is God's perfect representative in this earth, actually took our sins when he had no sins of his own. Next of all, not only was Jesus dying for our sins, next of all, he was buried and rose again. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse nine, and Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10, and Jonah chapter two and verse 10 tells us, Jesus was buried and rose again, prophesied of in the Old Testament. And then here again, Paul talks about to the orders of which Jesus Christ saw people after he was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead after three days in the grave. Those who died before the cross, that's Old Testament saints, many of them were resurrected and came into Jerusalem and Matthew told about this. Those who died before the cross, Old Testament saints, are resurrected with the tribulational saints at the end of the tribulation and the church will be resurrected at the end of the church age at the rapture of the church. Believers who survive the tribulation and enter into the millennium will receive a resurrection body at the end of the millennium. These are the resurrection orders that we have in the word of God. God does such things in such order, but I'm simply here to tell you, if Jesus Christ died for us and was raised from the dead for us, and we weren't there, we didn't see it. We have to believe the word of God. Everything about receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior is not seen with the eyes. It's believed with the heart. Simply saying, we line up our eyes, we line up our heart with the word of God, not with what we can see. We actually take our eyes, focus it on the word of God, read it, and in our heart we say, I'm gonna choose to believe this. I wasn't there. You know, someone talked uh, to uh, a minister one time and says, you actually believe in heaven? He said, yes. He said, you ever been there? He says, no, then how do you know it's real? And this minister said to them, he said, you have a brain? The guy said, well, yeah. He said, how do you know? He said, have you ever seen it? 
all you've seen is pictures of brains and stuff, but you've never seen your own brain. He said, but you actually believe you have one? In other words, we do this every day. We believe in things we've never seen. But when it comes to heaven and when it comes to eternal life, God says you have to believe it in your heart that it actually happened. And if you do, you will receive eternal life. And then one day you'll actually see it with your eyes. You believe it in your heart first and one day you'll experience it and see it in this world around us. Verses five through 10 of this particular chapter, we're gonna talk about eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, how there were actually resurrection appearances of Jesus after he was raised from the dead. And we'll talk about that. What I'm offering is my series on resurrection. This is taken from what we're talking about today with again, much, much more depth, much more uh, information. And this will be a great blessing for you. So again, the announcer is gonna come on and tell you how you can have a copy of this. I call this halftime. We're about to enter into halftime. As soon as this is over, we'll come back and talk about the first thing, the eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were eyes that saw it. I believe them. And one day my eyes will see it too. See you right after the break. When a Christian has passed away, we do not bury them. We plant them for a future harvest. One day, all Christians will put on a resurrection body. Our earthly bodies carry the image of Adam, but our resurrection bodies will carry the image of Jesus. One day, we will have bodies that will possess everlasting life. In this exciting six-part series based on 1 Corinthians 15, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a detailed study of the future resurrection of every born-again believer. Messages include a foundation doctrine. What if there is no resurrection? What is baptism for the dead? Sowing, reaping, and resurrection. Our incorruptible body and the exception generation. To order resurrection, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on partnership. 
First Corinthians chapter 15 is an entire chapter dedicated to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in verses five through 10, of which we're going to just look at now, I'm just gonna kind of give you an outline of it and then tell you what the verses say, of the different ones that saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Honestly, to be truthful with you, we weren't saved by Jesus on the cross, we were saved by the resurrection. I like to think of it this way, there's the cross and the resurrection, the cross put away the problem. The resurrection brought the answer. In other words, the, the problem in us, we were spiritually dead, we needed life. So on the cross, Jesus did away with our spiritual death, but we still weren't brought to life again until he came to life. We died with him, we were buried with him, uh, we, and then we were now raised with him. So when Jesus Christ arose from the dead, we did too, but the quickening that happened to Jesus in the grave is what happens to us and we receive eternal life. Let me talk to you about the eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, we have a, a day where we, re where we celebrate, again, the coming of Jesus Christ into this earth, that's Christmas. We make a major deal out of that. In fact, it, it lasts, I used to say it lasts a month. You know, the month of December, sheesh, now it starts, you know, at the end of summer. I mean, it just seems like right, right, right around the time summer is over, we're starting to talk about Christmas. In fact, now my wife watches uh, Hallmark and they've got Christmas in July and they start six months into it to start talking about, I know what they're doing, they're preparing to sell stuff. And that's what everybody's looking forward to, a great time of income. But on the other hand, again, I'm glad he came into this earth. Praise God, I'm glad he did. I'm glad he came by. A virgin was born into this earth and, and walked in this earth. That's wonderful to think about that, but that's still not where everything happened. Everything happened at the cross and at the resurrection. In fact, honestly, I appreciate Easter more than I do Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is when he came, but him coming to earth doesn't save us. It's the resurrection of Jesus that saves us. I've told people this before. In fact, I've had one guy sent me a picture. He made a, a necklace out of this. I've made this before. I personally think that a cross around your neck, it's wonderful, but really that's only half the issue. And the greatest thing is not the cross. It is the resurrection from the tomb. And I think the even though I'm glad the cross we have around our neck is empty, that's wonderful. But I think even something better than a cross hanging around your neck is a rock with a hole in it. I mean, that is the empty tomb. And that's what actually saved us. We were saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If he came to earth just to die and died and stayed dead, then we, we can announce, well, he joined us in death but I need to join him in resurrection. And that's what happens when I accept him as Lord and Savior. In fact, to be saved, you don't have to confess the cross. You confess the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's where your salvation started, all right? Jesus on the cross put away the problem, your, the spiritual death, but he had to bring life into us. And that's what happened when he was quickened in the grave and then rose from the dead after that. Jesus after resurrection, like I said at the beginning of this broadcast, never appeared to an unbeliever. He never appeared to the kings and went, nah, 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 I'm alive. No, he never went to those that crucified him and said, here I am, I'm alive. No, he didn't go to them. He went to his own. He went to believers and showed himself to them because he was preparing for the church to begin on the day of Pentecost and was basically handing on the baton to them. And for 40 days, I like to think of it this way. When Jesus came and went to the cross and died on the cross and was resurrected, that's, that's act one. Jesus came because we can't have act two without act one. But in the meantime, for the 40 days that he was here and he walked on this earth, that was intermission.
The intermission, he's preparing them. And then as soon as the church started, that was act two, on the day of Pentecost, we're still in act two. And act two is really what Jesus came for. He didn't come just to die and be on the cross. He came to incorporate this into the church. The whole purpose was I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so let's talk about the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He appeared to Peter. And so when he appeared to Peter, again, to assure him, because when he arose from the dead, he told those around the tomb, he said, go tell Peter, I've raised, I've been raised from the dead. There were two on the road to Emmaus. Now, these are not all the appearances, but again, these are the main one mentioned here and ones that really stand out to Paul through the Holy Spirit and stand out to us. Again, there was Peter. The next one was two on the road to Emmaus. And again, as they were with him and he was, they were just walking down the road and he suddenly appeared and then started walking with them. And they didn't realize it until after a while, that was Jesus himself. And when he finally disappeared, they said, oh man, he answered questions for them out of the word of God that was just incredible. Explain the word of God in such a great way. He next of all appeared to the 12 without Thomas, then later on the 12 with Thomas. Because without Thomas, when they appeared, they told Thomas, he said, I'm not gonna believe you, not until I can put my finger in his side, into his hand, and then I will. And when Jesus appeared the second time and Thomas was there, he walked right over to Thomas and said, here, put your finger in my hands, put your hand in my side, he said, and, and touch me because of, uh, I'm here, I've been resurrected from the dead. And so Thomas broke down and said, my Lord and my God. Then he appeared to James and he appeared to the disciples at Galilee. Then he appeared to the disciples on the Mount of Olives. And then he appeared to Paul. During that time, he also appeared to over 500 at one time. Now here's what, you know, my first thought was when I first heard a minister say this, is that Jesus never appeared to any unbelievers. I thought, wait a minute, there were over 500 at one time. Sure, there was unbelievers in there. We'll read the verse, it says to over 500 brethren, 500 brothers at one time. All 500 were saved. He did not appear, nor did he preach in those 40 days, nor did he perform a miracle. He simply went around preparing a group of people to take over the uh, coming of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which began on the day of Pentecost. He went to heaven to start building his church. And on the first day, 120 walked down from the upper room. By the end of the day, there were 3,120. So we have here again, the resurrection appearances. In verse five, it goes on to say, and here we talk about Peter. I'm gonna mention them again in the order that I just told you about. But it says in verse five, he was seen of Peter, then he was seen of the 12. The Corinthians knew Peter. In fact, in chapter one and verse two, it talks about Peter when they said, I'm a Paul, I'm a Peter, I'm of Apollos. And so Peter's name was mentioned that they knew and were very familiar with Peter and they would accept his testimony. So when Paul said, Peter saw it, they go, well, we know Peter. And he was there, he actually saw it with his eyes. In fact, second Peter chapter one tells us there that I was with him on the holy mountain. I saw him with my eyes. I heard God speak with my ears and say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The 12 he speaks about here is a technical name for the remainder of the disciples minus Judas. They were still called the 12. And of course, after this, Paul's gonna be added as the 12th one. I believe that there's some that disagree. So you know what? It's not a hell or heaven issue. I believe when we get to heaven, we'll meet Paul. He'll say, yeah, I was the 12th one. 
And it's kind of brought out in these verses of scripture. Verse six, after that, he was seen of over 500 brothers at one time, of whom the greater part remains until this present day, but some have fallen asleep. He said, listen, 500, and on top of that, some of them are still alive. We can find out who they are and you can go talk with them. They were with him, 500, over 500, and they were all brothers. Those have been saved during the walk of Jesus Christ. There might've been some that after the resurrection, heard about the resurrection, they gave their lives to Jesus. Again, he said, the greater part remains so of the 500. Over half of them were still alive at that time. He said, but some have died, they fall asleep. And so this could be, now this could be another reference to those on the Mount of Olives before Jesus left, but we don't know. It just simply says he appeared over 500 at one time. Verse seven, after that, he was seen of James. This is James, the Lord's brother. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 55 tells us he was one of Jesus' uh, physical brothers on this earth. He was a brother to him in that respect, a, a human brother, and came from again, Mary and Joseph. Jesus came from Mary, not from Joseph. James was one of Jesus' brothers. He wrote the book of James and was the pastor or the head of the Jerusalem church. And so we find that in the word of God. In fact, he didn't give his life to Jesus Christ until after the resurrection. So the reason why the Lord appeared to him, he was now a believer. When he heard of the resurrection and all that, and he was with, and heard about that, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. In fact, he probably had heard Jesus talk about that, his brother. He was probably embarrassed of Jesus when he went to school. Others would talk about that and say, isn't your brother Jesus? Yeah. Doesn't he think he's God? Yeah. Yeah, he does. And he was probably embarrassed of him, but found out later, man, I was in the same family that the Messiah was born in. The Messiah was my basically half-brother. And I just ignored him and I thought it was crazy, but now I'm gonna open up my life and receive him as Lord and Savior. He ended up being the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And he says, the last of all, he seemed to be also, notice how Paul phrases this. This is why I believe he was the 12th one replacing Judas. And last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. And, and the Greek means abnormally born. And actually one means saved from abortion. I was about to die because of my action toward the church, I was allowed to live and I'm the one. He says in verse nine, I am the least of the apostles. So he includes himself in with those apostles and not qualified to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Acts chapter nine, verses three through five says that as Paul journeyed, he came near to Damascus and suddenly there showed around him a light from heaven and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks or the goads. And the goads here was something they would use for oxen uh, to get back going the right direction. If the oxen turned the wrong way, and he said, listen, Saul, you've been fighting me all this time. You've gone this way and that way. I want you to stay on the road. And he says, you every time I try to correct you and bring you back like an ox goad, you still buck and come against me. He said, you have one temper. He said, but I want you to know, this is your last chance. You've been kicking and kicking. This is the last chance for you to receive me as Lord and Savior. And on then he called him Lord. Who are you, Lord? And he found out that he, although he thought his name was Jehovah, the Old Testament. And now when he says, I am Jesus whom you persecute, he realized something. Jehovah is Jesus. Oh my goodness. All this time I've been serving Jehovah, not knowing he's the Lord Jesus. I find out he's the Lord Jesus and I don't believe it, but to be saved, I can't just believe that Jehovah exists. I have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
and he accepted him as Lord that day on that road to Damascus and things began to change for him. And he then became what I believe to be the 12th apostle. Many other scholars, you know, I'm not saying I'm a scholar, but again, other people who are scholars agree to that. Not that's fine with me because I can't find anything in the word of God that disagrees with that. And I know on the day of Pentecost, they picked out another man uh, by, you know, straws and stuff, but that's not the way that apostles are chosen. They come by the will of God. Paul mentioned this in Galatians, the opening chapter called to be an apostle, not of men, plural, not not of man singular. So those in the upper room forming a group of men couldn't make me an apostle. No individual man can lay hands on me and pass it on to me. It comes directly from God the Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this happened here in these verses of scripture that although Paul was not in the upper room at that time, later on he was chosen to be the 12th apostle. So we have it from the word of God there. You have it also from the lips of Pastor Bob. But uh, whether or not it's true or not, we'll find out completely when we get to heaven. God just doesn't go into long detail describing it because probably it really doesn't matter. We have the word of God in our hands and we have the resurrected Jesus Christ in our heart. Guess what? I'm alive because he's alive and he'll never die again and I will never die again either. Great news, isn't it? See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.